Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. So, Sean, let me set you up with a, a question. You're a sporty kind of guy. Did you ever play any organized sports? Well, I was never very good at organized sports, but well, yeah, not I what played I asked some you. basketball, <laughs> I played some soccer, sure. So from, from an insider's perspective, what, what were the roles of the coaches of your teams for you and, and for the team? Well, mostly my coach told me where to sit on the bench, but uh, <laughs> the, the role of the coach was, was really about figuring out where we fit best within the team, uh, what we added to the team and how to draw out uh, the talent that we didn't know we had uh, at the time. Uh, and so they, they would spend time with us individually to help us discover new things about ourselves. What we often find in ministry is that the, the circumstances and challenges that we face, uh, the game that we're playing, if you will, aren't necessarily the ones we were prepared for in seminary and Bible school. And having someone who can offer perspective and encouragement, maybe a little advice and guidance is a huge help. Uh, and even just for the normal work of ministry and leadership, uh, a seasoned and reasoned voice, what we at PIR call a thinking partner, can be an invaluable asset. And, and this is what coaching is and does. Yeah, I, I uh, engaged a coach when I was a pastor because I really needed some help working through a, a season of burnout. Uh, and that coach uh, did a, just an amazing job asking me some good questions. And now I'm on the other side of that conversation. I get to be the coach and uh, have the joy of seeing pastors grow and thrive just because they're, they've got somebody to, to talk with and work through some of those issues. Well, we at PIR uh, feel that coaching is uh, just a tremendous resource uh, for pastors and ministry leaders. And today we are excited to welcome Reverend Ann Horton and Gail Goolsby who have a well-established coaching relationship and have graciously agreed to let us peek into that and explore uh, what helps that relationship work well. Anne and Gail, welcome. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks. And you uh, serve as pastor at Cedarville United Presbyterian Church in Cedarville, Ohio, and are a lifelong Presbyterian. You were born and raised in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You are a Midwesterner, and you've served three Presbyterian churches, two as solo pastor and one as an associate. You also have a certificate in spiritual direction, an undergrad degree in journalism and advertising, which I'd love to press into that, but we're not going to do that today. And you've got your MDiv from Union Theological Seminary. Share a little bit, if you would, of your current context in ministry as a pastor. I am in a little village in Ohio. Um, we have a, a university here, and um, it's, I love it here. It's a fairly rural context, lots of great people, lots of people who have longevity in the church. So we've got, we've got some multi-generational folks, and we have people who can remember growing up in the church. And I, I enjoy that as well, because we've got many who've joined, but at the same time, we have people who can point to something and say, I remember what that looked like 50 years ago. 
And you were sharing a little bit before we came on here uh, about the breadth of, of ministry being a, a what we call ordinary church, small church pastor. What have you found most challenging in your ministry context? I think the most challenging thing is actually what led me to seek out coaching, and that is taking care of myself while taking care of others. And that um, it, it's hard for me to see myself sometimes as, oh, I've got to stop and make sure that that I'm getting the exercise I need, that I'm doing what I need to do. And they told us in seminary to be careful because we can fall into the trap of only opening the Bible when we're preparing for a Bible study, preparing for a sermon, and not seeking transformation ourselves. And I found that I was falling into that, that trap. So I, I don't think it matters where you serve, you can fall into that. Mm. But I, I just noticed at about the eight-year mark here that uh, wow, I'm I'm reaching out to others, but I go home and I feel pretty drained. I need to make some changes. Wow, that's incredible self-awareness. And Gail, we, we are talking to you from Kansas today, uh, and you hold master's degrees in professional counseling and educational leadership with over 25 years of educational experience as a teacher, school counselor, and principal, including... Uh, the K-12 American School in Afghanistan. And you wrote a book about your experiences there. Uh, an award-winning book, Unveiled Truth, Lessons I Learned Leading the International School of Kabul. You uh, are a counselor. You've served as a counselor, and you're also an International Coach Federation Certified Life Coach. How does coaching fit into the greater ministry context of, of how you serve the Lord? So as a lifelong educator... Uh, I just feel like coaching is another vein of education. So um, it fits my wheelhouse and um, <clears throat> we, we could talk about how I got into it, but, but basically uh, my tagline for my own coaching and what I do is helping people learn to live well, because I feel like we've been given this life and God wants us to enjoy it with him. But sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we just have goals that seem so huge. We just keep looking at them from a distance and we don't know how to get any closer to attaining them. Um, transitions is a huge thing for coaching and people are in them all the time. Even if they don't leave their house or leave their, their same job, there's just, uh, there's just this, what I call the neutral zone, the nowhere between two somewheres. You, you know, there's things that God wants you to move into, but how to get there and, and how do I weave that into who I thought I was? And so I work with uh, people of all ages and I, I do, um, I work with, um, with Thrive, which is an international organization for global women. And I'm a, a longside coach for them. And that, that's really a, a way to keep in touch with cross-cultural. But I'm a pastor's wife. And um, whereas I'm not holding a ministry label in my local church right now here in Wichita, um, I always have been involved with women's groups. And so um, I think coaching and coaching training just makes you a better person, a better wife or spouse or friend or daughter, because it teaches you how to hopefully ask powerful questions and listen well, and then feedback so people can go, oh, I said that? Well, okay, yeah, that's in there. And, and it just helps people really get to a place where they're realizing, oh, I have, I've got things to move forward. Coaching is a forward moving thing. You know, counseling is kind of a backwards look, the traumas or experiences that cause us to be 
be stuck in a place we don't want to be or a person acting in a way we don't want. But coaching is more like, okay, you're here today. Where do you want to go? And what's important to work on? So coaching is this wonderful thing. From both of you, I'd love to hear this perspective. Why don't more people take advantage of coaching, especially pastors? Um, I think for me, I, I didn't exactly know what it entailed. It helped that Roy Yankee explained it at a Presbytery meeting. And I thought, okay, that's something that I might be interested in. But I thought, oh, well, is this counseling or is it, and it's not that, um, or I think I, I admit I had a bias with life coaches. I thought, life coach, do I really need somebody to coach me on how to do this? And it turns out, yeah, it's helpful. So it's, I, I think it was just, I, I didn't know much about it. And once I, once I learned more, I thought, okay, let me give this a try. My husband is very fortunate to have a senior pastor here at our church in Wichita who, and he says, he's told me it was because of me pressing him that with 36 people on staff, there's no way he could really help them keep moving forward in their life. And so I talked with him a couple of times about coaching. And, um, and so he provides for his pastors to have uh, in, in the budget coaching finance. So, um, wow. so my husband's accessed it a couple of times through PIR and um, it's just, a, it's just kind of a, you know, we go to doctors for checkups. We do a lot of things, but we don't always have a life checkup and that, you know, we just kind of hit the corners or the closets, if you will, of your life to say, you know, what's important to you that maybe hasn't gotten your time or attention and how can we do that? And, and how would you like to have that set up so that, you know, you could be asked about it and be, and, you know, really be committed to making some changes. It seems to be that those are the kinds of questions that pastors are asking others, but nobody's asking them. Well, don't you think in the leadership quagmire that it's, that it's lonely at the top is a true statement. I mean, you're out there yeah. being that person for other people. And one of the things Ann and I've talked about before is having someone outside of your organization. Cause I work a lot with missionaries and, you know, they call some of their member care people coaches, but they're the people who you got to get approval for, for this or that, or who sign off on your, stability. Do you really want to tell them that you have these questions and thoughts? So I think having someone that's removed, that's safe is key for pastors, for a lot of people, leaders. Yeah, that's a great point. When I was a pastor, my denomination offered coaching, but it was done by the same people that oversee, you know, the, the ministry. Um, and it just did not feel like the, the that safe place until I found a coach outside uh, of my denomination who had no connection to the church whatsoever, uh, just knew me and, and we were able to talk. It wasn't until I got that, that I felt safe. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a really good point. We're just kind of curious. Um, how did the two of you get connected in coaching and, and what, maybe you could start what, what drew you into coaching and, and how did you connect with Gail? What drew me in again was I, I uh, just felt like I needed to work on some uh, my own self-care. And I reached out to our stated clerk, I believe, of our presbytery, who's, who reminded me that, that Roy Yankee and PIR Ministries, hey, you know, you might want to look into that. So I contacted Roy and um, he gave me two names and I, I called each person. And Gail was the one that I really felt that I, I clicked with. So we... Um, we went from there. And what I really appreciate is that I, like we were saying before, 
she's somebody who's outside of any other circle. Yes, she's in the EPC, but the only time we ever see each other is at General Assembly. And there's no, she's not in any group that I have to report to or anything. So I feel like I can say whatever I want to say to her. Um, what I also like is that she asks me clarifying questions. I might be going down a specific path and she'll stop me and say, wait a minute, you said this, let's explore that a little bit more. And it's something that in my mind, it was just a quick thought, but she recognized it as something significant. And then we'd stop and talk about that. And I'd realize that, oh, I, there's something that I need to pay attention to here. Yeah, what did the, the um, connection look like from your perspective? How did uh, you and Ann um, uh, start to connect as in a, in a coaching relationship? So there's, there's kind of like five pieces to the coaching process. And so the first thing we did when we met over Zoom was get, you know, we didn't actually see each other until a, a General Assembly one year. But so just getting connected, kind of getting a backwards look, she provided a lot. It wasn't a case of me feeling like, oh, I just have no, I, I can't know her. She, she opened herself up vulnerably to be known. Um, and so once we had that, it really is just, I just, I just try to join her. It's all about her. I mean, I try to, at the beginning, get an agreement of what we want to accomplish in our time. And I try to wind that up at the end if we can. But sometimes she says, I just want to go through the different goals I have and tell you where I'm at. I, I just, she sets the agenda each time. But that's the question for the coach, because I don't know when she's arrived at the aha moment. She mm -hmm. knows that. And so uh, she, may she may not even find that moment all coming crystal clear until later. So I may not be there. But sometimes she's really good to say, oh, that last time, this really hit me between the eyes and I've been focusing on that. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, some value. But um, so that's, that's the thing for the coach. You really just join the journey. You buy the ticket, you take the ride and you hope that by the end, we're, we're, it's worthwhile for them. One other thing is that she helps me find the why behind what I'm doing you know if I, if I tell her about something it's okay all right you felt like you were overworking over functioning why is that and we can take a step back and look at what's going on and then okay how do I how do I change the belief because behavior follows belief I say that to my congregation all the time so here's my behavior what's the what's that belief behind it that might need to change in order for for me to change there's no point in trying to change the the fruit if you don't get to get to the root of it and that's what she helps me do is find that root it's definitely still an inside out job as all transformation is and so <clears throat> people don't change until they find a real motivation to do it because change is hard and it's exhausting and you're already working you know you're thinking about all these all, all these other people and trying to help them you don't always jump into the number one slot so yeah it's it's a it's a great thing. It's an ongoing conversation. And we've been fortunate to do this for some months. Um, at first we were meeting a couple times a month and then Anne got into a rhythm where she felt like, Let's, I, I want to spread this out of time. So we do once a month or, you know, and it's flexible. I keep my schedule in pencil so that I can join her. Um, I'm fortunate to work from home. And so whether I'm writing or speaking, what I, I have charge of that. So it makes it easy to, to do that. It's not so set that she can't, you know, it's really a struggle. We work it out. So it, it really sounds like there's a, a balance um, of uh, a relational nature 
being highly relational, that, that this isn't a, a sterile clinical kind of, of uh, thing, uh, that it, it thrives on relationship, but there's real intentionality to it as well. It's not simply two people getting together and just chewing the fat about, you know, yeah, here's what, yeah. even though that happens, um, there, there's direction, there's, there's movement. Like you said before, Gail, there, it's about forward movement. It's mm-hmm. about maybe even challenging uh, thoughts and assumptions, uh, not letting things just slip by. Mm-hmm. One of the beautiful things about coaching to me, and especially if you do it in a rhythmic way, you're not just doing it once, one and done, is, you know, Anne's tried a lot of different, you know, when she says, here's where I want to go, and she'll try different, different methods, different, um, you know, disciplines or books or whatever. And so we're catching up enough to say, how'd that work? Oh, let's tweak it here. I'm not going to do that three times a week. I'm going to do it two times a week. And so my job is to try to get a very specific, you know, the old smart goals, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, so that she can really cross it off the list. Otherwise, we say things like, oh, I need to pray more. I need to exercise more. Well, what's more? When do you celebrate more? Mm. It's always out there. So she's, she's done a lot of really great self-care um, uh, plans. She's, she's a great researcher and reader. So she finds these things. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to do this for the next few months, see how it goes. And then we get back and evaluate it together. So then she can see if that's one that's sustainable or maybe that was good for then, but now there's this other thing that she wants to explore. And so um, she's been great. She's a, she's like a, an ideal coaching client. I didn't just say that for the recording, Anne. I told you that before. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm making it up. Even have to pay her to say that. Well, and I've, I've always found that to be true of, of coaching relationships. And, and one of the difficult things to maybe even uh, not just communicate, but to, to have be part of the relationship is you get out what you put in. Uh, and, and so much of a coaching relationship is about the, the energy and the effort and the, the um, willingness that, that the person being coached brings into it. Exactly. That it's not all about, you know, oh, I'm going to sit at the feet of this guru and have them dump all this stuff into my mind and make me a better person. Um, that the coach is really facilitating that growth and self-awareness, but that self-awareness only really comes as the person who's being coached engages themselves in, in that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. If, if I were not willing to be vulnerable, I don't think that we would have lasted as long as we did. But Again, she joins me on the journey. And uh, yeah, I think I have pretty good self-awareness, but there are times again that she picks up on something that I thought was on a scale of one to 10. Oh, I thought it was about a level two. And then she says, wait a minute, you've mentioned that three times just in passing. Let's stop and explore that more. And it turns out, oh, that that's what we really need to talk about today. And I wanted to ask what, what uh, is, is you approach a coaching session what type of work is required of you before the session? Well, I keep a journal, so that, that helps. I write notes during our sessions, and what I normally do is I don't necessarily write in the journal every day, but I, I go back to our notes and maybe uh, decide to just free write about this particular issue. So I go back and look at that before we have our coaching session. Right now, we're doing about once every two months because I, I feel like I've gotten there has been a lot of momentum, there has been a lot of transformation. And now it's a really good check-in system. Again, it's somebody totally outside of every other system 
who's keeping me on track, holding me accountable, walking with me. So it's, uh, I just, I prepare for it by looking over what have I done? And sometimes my journal really is just a list of, or just a quick note of, oh, we had said we were going to, I was going to try this for a while. Here's how I tweaked it on week three. I realized it wasn't working and here's what I did. So it's just, again, kind of refreshing my memory. So basically it's, it's coming into the relationship, uh, having something to talk about yes. some area that you want to explore, right? Yeah. Um, I'm guessing the real work for you begins after the coaching session. What's that like? Uh, it's amazing how, and, and Gail talked about this earlier, that she doesn't get to see the aha moments. And that's usually true. I, I, we're working, we're talking, I'm taking notes. And as I'm thinking through that for the rest of the day or, or next week, there will be an aha moment. So it's, it's just that willingness to think about what we said and put it into practice. Again, I, we do very pragmatic things. It's okay, I want to read the Bible more. How am I going to do that between now and then? Am I going to read through the Gospel of John? Am I going to try a 90-day New Testament? What's going to happen? So I'm putting into practice the things that we talked about. But then again, tweaking as I go. I'm not going to do something for two months that on week two, I realize, oh, this is not working at all. But I think through of, okay, how can I, what is sustainable right now? In the beginning of a coaching relationship, it's my job to try to really highlight the, the targets they want in a four to six month distance out there. What do they want to see in that time frame? And, and really, I love to, yeah, I told you I had words, but I like to really formulate those goals so they're inspiring. You know, not something like, I need to lose weight. Oh, come on, you know, more of a develop a healthier lifestyle or, you know, to, to have uh, rhythms that fit my body or, or whatever it might be. And so usually people have three or four of those kind of overall arching goals that I call the series goal. And then and then each time, if I do my job right, hopefully they've got some real identified action steps. That's a key part of the coaching um, method and, and that she can actually know. And so then I'm going to check in with that. And I love it. Uh, Anne's not so much that way because she's just very disciplined. But sometimes the, the clients will say, yeah, I knew I was supposed to do this, this, this. I just did it last night because I knew you were going to ask me. I'm like, don't care win-win that's what we need whereas if they just wrote a list to themselves maybe they do it but if a coach is really if a person says i want to learn how to coach myself i mean and coaches herself i love that we get to check in but she's now figured out that that same idea to say to herself okay what am i doing the next week what's important what's the first step because the first step then leads to the next one and you know sometimes i'll have people who say Oh, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And I'm going like, oh, no, no, no. Two months ago, blah, blah, blah. And then we talk about, you know, the things they've done. Like, okay, right. I'm still in the game. Okay, I'll keep moving forward. So there's celebration, accountability. Um, but it's, it's meant to be practical. I mean, I love people's stories. And I, I just want to hear it. And it builds my faith. Because I'll be sitting there. I admit I'm a problem solver. So in my brain, I'm thinking, well, this is what they should do. I don't say that because I'm not a consultant. I'm not a mentor. I'm a coach. So they'll say, well, I'm going to call so-and-so and whatever. And I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, we'll be back at this next time. They come in, they go. So here's what happened. And I'm like, wow. You know, I'm thinking I've made God big, but he's getting bigger every time I coach somebody because mm -hmm. I, I am not the expert on their life. I'm not mm -hmm. the expert on Anne's life, 
but together we can find out what God wants her to know. And I grow in that because I think it's going to look like that. And it turns out it looks like that. And I'm thinking he can do whatever he will. And it's beautiful. And that, that's really such an important posture for a coach to take that coaches do take good coaches do take with, with the relationship that you're not the problem solver. You're not the advice giver. You're not the, you know, fount of all knowledge and, and wisdom. Um, you know who is, and you've said a number of times, you are a words person. I'm hearing a lot of these words a number of times of, of working together, of being partners, uh, going back to the, the PIR mantra, you know, we are thinking partners as, as we walk along with them. One of the words you've, you've used a number of times, I'd love to peek into a little bit more, Gail, is, is rhythm. And uh, what, what is the importance of rhythm in a coaching relationship? and maybe more broadly in a person's life? Well, I think rhythm is something we want to find for sustainability because, you know, things keep coming at us that are always new, but we want to have a certain foundation of what works well, keeps us, a big word for for counselors and coaches is to keep resiliency high. You know, resiliency is like the Teflon that stress comes at us, stuff comes at us, and it can kind of bounce off because we're built up, Health, our health is built up. Our, our spirituality, our mental, our, you know, all those things work together to build up resiliency. So we try to find out, we try to build on the success, look back and see what God has put together in a very helpful way and access that because all of our experiences are, are his, our sweet history with Jesus is that, you know, he's helped us through times before and therefore we can trust him to help us again. And sometimes it's exactly what he showed us when we were a teenager in high school for the first time, how to meet people. And now we're doing it as adults. I mean, sometimes he's already said, Hey, remember, remember this It was mm-hmm. a standing stone for you back then. So bring it on in. So um, I think rhythm is really helpful because if we find a healthy rhythm, then the burnout issue for, especially for pastors and leaders um, doesn't take its toll so much, but you know, we're so quick to be self-sacrificing in ministry that we throw that over thinking we'll get it back. Well, you do that too often. And Anne will tell you, you know, we started coaching before COVID hit, but oh my word, that was a whole new layer of how to keep myself available for all mm. these people who really have needs and are alone. And some of what they need is just going to pull away from her in a really big way. You know, all these conversations and finding ways to meet people who are isolated, those are hard. And, and her pastor's heart can just lead her to give her own stuff away. Well, then what do you have left? If your well is dry, if you haven't been going to the spring of living water yourself, then, you know, burnout happens. Mm. Yeah. One of the words that you used was, was curiosity in uh, relationships. Um, I think that's so important for a coach. And I'm, I want to just hear from Anne a little bit. Uh, and what is it like to have somebody who is curious about you as a person? Well, um, it, it feels good. It's somebody whose goal, I guess, or, or whose time is spent helping me grow as a Christian. And just as I want to hear other people's stories, she wants to hear mine. She wants to know, okay, what, what makes you tick? Where has God shown up in your life in different times? So I, I enjoy the time together because, again, we do so much as pastors of giving away and of listening to other people and of standing with people, especially during COVID. Yes, it has been, there's that whole other layer. And most pastors I know are 
tired. We are tired emotionally, not as much physically because mm -hmm. we've been giving more. And I started because I had this coaching relationship already. I doubled down. I just sort of doubled down on self-care because I knew at that point that I would need to do that. So when I got up at first, at first it fell away. I stopped exercising. I turned a little too much to comfort food and fell back into some old patterns. And then I said, no, hold on here. And I think it's as a result of having that coaching relationship that she helped me get back on track and said, okay, I'm curious, what are you doing to take care of yourself? And after that 10 second pause, where I just stared at her, we said, okay, what do we need to do to get back <laughs> on track here? And now I've got several things that I've been able to integrate. Now, Am I still tired? Of course, because everybody is right now, but I think I'm in a, a pretty good place. And a lot of it, again, it's somebody outside my system that I can, I feel like I can just say anything. So if I'm frustrated, if I'm angry, if I'm joyful, whatever it is, I can tell her and I know it doesn't go anywhere. One of the things that we find when we're sharing why we feel coaching is important, especially for uh, pastors, ministry leaders, and, and you've alluded to this a little bit is when you feel that you're stuck or, uh, Gail, I think you used the term when you want to get some traction. And so that can bring up the whole issue of, of challenges in coaching too. You know, when coaching itself becomes a hard thing to do, there's hard work that goes with it and, and some challenges too. What have you two found to, to be challenging in, in moving from kind of some stuck places or getting traction? See, this is the magic and mystery of coaching is that I, I don't really know what's happening on the other side. And so I could feel like we're stuck or not moving forward, but I just trust the process. I trust, you know, God and Anne and, and, and her sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So I, I feel like and really for coaching, if they come back, then it's valuable. I, you just don't always know, but, but I could feel like um, when if Anne's frustrated in how she's doing, I could feel like, oh, I should probably be somehow helping that, but I don't know. And, and here's, here's an honest confession. One of the coaching pieces is the silence parts. I'm not very good with that. Some clients I have to be really, really, that's what, when I'm praying up before a session, I'm like, please God, help me to just let them sit. Because even though I have stories to share, that hopefully would be an encouragement or, or, um, you know, just, just insights and stuff just to join her. It's not about me. Sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just took up airspace for 10 minutes. Okay. Back to you. So it's, it, for me, that's a struggle. I have coached with coaches. It's not a struggle for them. So sometimes I worry about that, but they keep coming. So I guess there's, you know, there's different kinds of coaches for different kinds of people. Um, but I could feel stuck in my own mind, not knowing if it's really what's happening on her side of it. And I just, I just really have to trust God. That's what the beauty of Christian coaching is that there's that third person in the session. And I can tell you how many times I say, like, I'll read over my notes and think, I don't really know where we're headed. So I, I say to God, lest you show up, this could be a futile moment, you know, because I, I really am not sure where we're headed. Mm. It's, it's a, but I do like, I'm a mystery reader. I go for the whole figure it out kind of thing. And I, I, I joined that. It doesn't scare me, but it does make you sweat. I think for me, it's facing some of the things that I don't want to face. 
there are times I, I come in thinking, okay, I've got things fairly well together here. And um, not that I had a prepared time together, but she'll stop me and say, well, what about this? And I thought, oh, that wasn't something that, I mean, that it, it becomes uncomfortable. <laughs> now, not uncomfortable in a bad way. It's just, oh, this is something that I really need to face in order to move forward. So it's uh, that it's challenging, but, but not, again, this is what I signed up for. This is what I wanted. So mm-hmm. it, there might be that twinge of, Ooh, but at the same time, once we get through that, it's, oh, wow. And I find that when we, when our time has something like that in it, boy, I just go the next few weeks, I've just really moved forward in, in my journey because I was, that there was that stuck place and she was able to pick it out for me. I didn't necessarily know what it was, but she did from listening to me. Yeah, what are some of the things that uh, that people have as far as misconceptions about coaching? When they, they come to the coaching relationship, they may have in their mind, this is what I think it's going to be, and then they realize it's completely different. Have you encountered any of those? <laughs> I, uh, a friend sent a young man to me, he's about 28 at the time, and um, he wanted me to coach because he is a coach. Oh, okay, you know, I'll do that. And he hands me his little business card and says, life coach. And so we're chatting. And I said, so where did you get your training? He goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, where did you get your training to be a coach? And he said, I'm just good at it. I tried to just full stop the train that was trying to move forward that moment. And I said, so I said, have you ever been coached? And he goes, no, you think I should? And I said, well, what are you selling? I mean, I just, (laughs) and so he said, you know, okay. And he had, so anyway, he signed on, we worked for two years and he, as a person who thought he was a coach, he had no idea what coaching really was. He thought it was giving people answers to their problems, but I have a little, little one page document. I send out to people at the very beginning when I say, what is Christian coaching? And I let them know it's not counseling. It's not consulting. It's not mentoring. It's about you. I'm here to join you. I am not here to give you answers. I will not be an expert on your life. Now I have education. So I have worked a lot with college kids and, you know, and, and it's nice. And I, and I know ministry. So Anne and I, we've talked about kind of, you know, I have some framework for what she's talking mm. about, but not the exact things. And so you do bring your life experience. You are somebody who's done things and been places. And so that I think though, makes people comp, you know, it makes them relax. Well, I'm not talking to somebody who hasn't got a clue. And I'm thinking to myself, who would go to this 28 year old kid who's making smoothies and, you know, driving an Uber. I mean, that's not all the life experience that some people might feel comfortable. (laughs) So, you know, and all that to say, he is a great guy. And, and he wrote me this long for a guy, I thought, especially a long thank you at the end of it of what it did for him. But he had no idea what coaching was. So I think people do not sign up. And Anne has said this before. If more people knew what coaching was, they would sign mm-hmm. up for it. But they don't. And, and I also think that some men like the idea of coaching versus counseling. It's probably counseling that they need. So in your training, they make it clear. If you come across a client and what you can really tell is they need to sit with an issue or a trauma for a long time, the ethical professional thing to do is to say, you know, this is not a a coaching situation Mm -hmm. as much. So you either help them access a counselor and you can do it side by side. It works well together, actually. Or you stop coaching until they feel that they are able to, because you need to have within you the ability to, to, delay gratification, think ahead, 
in an abstract goal. And if you're, if you're feeling emotionally or mentally um, unwell, it's hard to do. Yeah. You're just in the urgency of the day. And so until that swelling goes down, you're really not ready to start walking on that broken leg. You got to get it, you know, you got to get it fixed. So has, having been trained as a counselor and as a coach, I can kind of go, oh. And when I'm working with global women out in the middle of nowhere, there's no counselor to access them. I say, okay, we're going to stop right here. I'm going to take off my coaching mm -hmm. hat and we're just going to, we're going to massage this a little bit to see if we can get, you know, some freedom and forgiveness work or something like that. But, um, you know, I try, I try to be professional about it, but sometimes the lines are blurred. Yeah. And I imagine that's very unique to you. Uh, again, kind of drawing on your life experience and your training that you're able to, to do that appropriately um, so. at, at the, at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, someone who doesn't have that background to, to insert themselves and say, well, I'm going to be your counselor now. Uh, well, that may not be the, the healthiest thing. So it's very important for a coach to, to have those boundaries well-established. And like you say, even in writing upfront, which I know it, that's what mm -hmm. we do at PIR, you know, it's, it's explained clearly upfront what coaching is and what coaching isn't. Um, and you, you mentioned a dynamic, and Ann, I want to draw on this a, a little bit from your perspective as a pastor, that it's not just life coaching, this is Christian life coaching, uh, that there is a third person present in, in the conversations that, that you're having. So how, Ann, have you found as a pastor uh, that coaching has strengthened not only your walk with your Lord, but your service in ministry? that coaching has helped me think through situations better, take a step back more often. I'm trained in family systems theory, so I know, uh, I know how that works and how we need to, I forgot which author, but we have to get, stand up on the balcony sometimes and look down at the whole situation. I don't remember who, who said that, but it, it helps me set better boundaries, which actually makes me a better pastor. And one thing that a lot of pastors are, and I'm right in there with them, is that we are people pleasers. And this has actually helped me be less of a people pleaser. I feel like I am a better pastor because of this. And, and that I am able to, again, step back and look at things and say, okay, what is the best thing? And I think what we, we find in coaching, uh, in, in Christian clergy coaching, we find that it, it enables pastors to show up as a healthy you, that, yeah. that you're a, a present you, you're a faithful you showing up rather than being a people pleasing you or a, I'm not a person you. And to be able to, to serve more fully as who you are in Christ. Exactly, that sums it up very well. One of the times I remember when my husband was doing his coaching, um, he had to have some conversations and he's a people pleaser and a peacemaker and all that. And, and the coach coached him in the conversation. And, and I don't know that Anne and I have done that so much, but I can think of a lot of clients where they say, Oh, I got to have this conversation. I'm like, well, let's, let's go for it. Let's, let's, you know, let's kind of what we say and how will that go? And when will you do it? Kind of, you know, not, not before dinner, when sugar, blood sugar, we would just coach that conversation to help them feel like, okay, I can go into this with some idea of, you know, what would work. And then somebody who wants to hear later how to go so that you can kind of dissect it and say, ah, I should have done this or whatever. Well, 
what follow-up is possible. You know, you just kind of help them with what their own goals are and you just join them because relational goals are just as important as, you know, getting a new degree or, or, you know, Mm. health goals. And sometimes they want relationships to be better, uh, maybe with family members. And, um, you know, these again are just ways you can, there are actual practical steps you can do because sometimes people just want to say, I didn't miss it. So I think it's, it's, it's practical as well as hopefully, uh, you know, a spiritual journey together as, Mm. as, as believers, but there's a practical side to it that people can say, ah, got some stuff done. One thing that I've noticed since I think we've been doing this about 18 months, um, we started again with the closer appointments. And now that once every two months, there are times I'm going back into similar situations and I realize I'm not handling them the same way because I have grown through our coaching relationship. And I know there was a time that I came back to her within the last couple of months and said, oh, I've got to tell you this because the same thing happened, but I handled it so much differently. Mm. And I honored myself in that. So it was just a, it's just neat to see now that, yeah, I can see the growth. Whereas at the very beginning, you don't always see that, but now Mm. I definitely can see that I am, I am not the same. I don't behave the same way as I did when I started because Again, I think combined with family systems theory, it's all right, look at why am I doing this? What what needs to change back here so that my behavior is different? Well, we always like to end by offering our guests the opportunity to share some words of, of hope. So for each of you, how might you encourage pastors and ministry leaders in, especially in these challenging days? Ann? Well, I'm going to use something that's been really overused, but they, you know, in, in, when you're in an airplane and you lose cabin pressure, they always tell you, you've got to put your own mask on before you help anybody else. And I think especially during this pandemic, there are a lot of things coming at us mm-hmm. and it is harder for us to take care of ourselves than ever before. So my encouragement would be to get a coach. If, if you're able to do that, find a way to do that because there are people who I think can help us with those oxygen masks for lack of a better phrase that especially now we've really got to pay attention to our relationship with God and our own self care because Mm -hmm. the pandemic's not over and it we're, I think we're still in the middle of it. So we, we need to hold on for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Such good words. Gail. I was just writing an article for a Christian women's magazine I write for about did Jesus encourage self-care and kind of did a little study about it, which actually started back in the fifties. This is a fun fact to know and tell, but when people were institutionalized and they weren't doing a good job of taking care of themselves, they were given a list by their physician, what they needed to do, clean, you know, hygiene and exercise and whatever. And and it was called self-care. And it's taken a journey through political, racial, all kinds of different areas, but it's been around a long time, but it really has come about a lot of it emphasis through political, we, nobody's going to take care of us. You've got to take care of yourself, which has a stigma that I, I'm not going there as much as feeling like, so I, I'm looking at Jesus life and I'm thinking, you know, he drew away. He, he's, he's sleeping in a boat. What's that? That sounds like a getaway. He's just taking a ride on the lake. I mean, he hangs out with the Bethany friends, you know, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. He, he's walking because that's what they did back then. But, you know, and he's eating according to culture. He did do that. He, he knew he was human. He was finite. Even though within him, he had all the power of God, that body 
that, you know, that, that, that all physical part of him needed to be cared for. And I think he showed us and he didn't do it in a way that, um, you know, kept him from saying, I'm here to minister. But you remember he said things like, you're going to have more poor people than you're, I mean, we, there's going to be people mm-hmm. here. We cannot do all of it. We do what the father directs us to do. Yeah. And so um, I think that, that a way for people to really exercise that is to have someone ask them, how are you doing that? What's happening with that? And, and to put them back in the game. You started off with the whole game thing. And, and I remember one article I wrote, I didn't put this title, but I loved it. In the game of life, you need a coach. Mm. And, and it's not someone who makes you run the, run the mountains and tells you what to do. And not that kind of coach, but it's one that says, let's journey together. Let's walk. And don't you just love that picture of, you know, the Emmaus Road and other places where Jesus was walking with them. And you got to ask questions and he asked questions, which he was the master of. I think that just makes it something that makes our life feel full. I've had people I've coached for six years. They just want someone to ask the questions and they want some place to park their stuff, hear them say what's important to them, which gives a little um to it and makes mm-hmm. them feel. And, and I think coaching, I don't know, Ann would say this, but when you say these things out loud and you're, you're percolating your thoughts out loud, then when God says something to you through a scripture or a prayer time or a sermon, you're like, oh, your antenna is so sharp hmm. because you heard yourself say that. Or sometimes we just let thoughts just kind of run through and fly away and we don't land very well. So I think coaching helps people be aware because God is speaking. He, he is the one wanting to answer your why questions, but we're just not always tuned in. And so I think coaching helps that tuning in to be able to recognize the answers when it comes. Because I love it when a client comes in and goes, oh, oh, I, I can't wait to tell you this. And, you know, again, I'm sitting there so curious, but it's because they were so alert. They recognized God did that. God brought that in. Um, I said it. I didn't know it was possible. He made it happen. It's a God thing. So yeah. I think that, that that can be such a help. Yes, during COVID, but just in this life we've been given, it's yeah. hard. And that's, that's really the goal, isn't it? To be that, yeah. uh, just increase that connection with, with the Lord. I just want to make one plug if I could, because one of the things that Roy and I talked about at the beginning when I came on as a female coach is that I really have a heart and I'm on Facebook groups with pastor's wives and I've been in the EPC. I mean, they just disbanded uh, the Women's Resource Council, but, but, but women um, that are on the outskirts, but they're fully engaged in ministry because of husbands or because of their own leadership roles. Um, I, I think a lot of them would benefit too. And they don't, they don't think about that. Mm. They're co- so busy coaching their pastor spouse, or they're so busy coaching the people in their, in their children's ministry. They don't recognize what they could benefit from because they're just pouring out. And so I, I would love for more pastors, wives and, and female pastors and, and stuff to, to recognize coaching because I think, um, you know, it helps us help our guys. Reverend Ann Horton, Gail Goolsby, thank you so much for uh, inviting us to, to take a look at what God's doing in your relationship and your coaching relationship there. And just, I've, I found it really encouraging to, to hear that. And thanks for the gift of your time and your presence today. Thank you so much, ladies. Thanks for having us. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And to share this podcast with your friends on social media, it's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It's our prayer that you are encouraged to set your hope on the living God.
PIR Ministries partners with God and the Church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, PIRministries.org, or email us at info at PIRministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame. Thank you.